Welcome to Verse by Verse, the teaching ministry of Pastor John Reed from Calvary Chapel, Northwest Reno. You'll want to grab your Bible and follow along, verse by verse, with Pastor John. We continue in through the book of Acts at chapter 14, verse 23. Relationship, not religion. Christianity is all about having a personal, real, and continual relationship with Jesus. Everything hangs upon knowing Christ personally. And it's not really about doing good works, religious rituals, and spiritual commands. It's about knowing Jesus and loving him and fellowshipping with him. There are churches and religions where they're very spiritual, but there's no Jesus. It's kind of like they're playing church and they're all dressed up and, you know, they kneel and they pray and they do chants and rituals and all these holy things. But if Jesus is not there, it's really not a church. And it's a dead orthodoxy. Because the church is really the family of God. We are the church, and Jesus is the head of the church. And church is about experiencing Jesus, hearing his voice, sensing his presence. There's a lot of uh, world religions and cults, and they promote an attitude of working your way, earning your way to heaven, trying to earn God's love. But this is so foreign from Christianity. Christianity is about just loving Jesus, having him in your heart, in your life. Christianity is not us working, but letting Jesus work for you. He did the work. He paid the price upon the cross. He paid for our sins, and he gives us his work, his righteousness, his holiness, and you don't have to earn it. You don't have to work for it. You don't have to deserve it. You just receive it by grace, through faith. You grab it through faith. Some of my cult friends, they kind of make fun of me and they say, John, you're just a gracer. You think it's all grace that Jesus did it all. Oh yes, it is all grace. And it's not earning and working and knocking on doors and passing out magazines and shaving your head and playing a tambourine and crawling up, uh, up mountains and doing penance and all these good works. It's all about just having Jesus in your heart. Celebrate God's good news. The good news is its grace. The good news is Jesus Christ. He paid the price. We just receive it. Well, let's read about the good news. Acts, starting in verse uh, chapter 14, verse 23. When they had pointed elders for them in every church, having prayed and with fasting, they commended them to the Lord in whom they had believed. Our missionaries, Paul and Barnabas, have been planting churches, and they must leave them now and go back to their home base. So they're putting pastors, leaders, elders 
in charge of all these churches. They're, they have prayed, they've sought the Lord, they've dedicated these leaders to the Lord, and they're entrusting these leaders to take care of these churches, and they must leave these churches and go back home. If you've ever done missionary work or, or work with missions, you know the missionaries work and then they move on, many times going to different locations, different cities, villages, um, colonies, different countries even. And so they must entrust the people into God's care. Maybe you know baby Christians and you have to leave them. And so you commend them, you commit them into the hands of the Lord and you trust God to keep them, to hold them. Verse 24, they pass through Poseida and came into Pamphylia. When they had spoken the word in Perga, they went down to Italia, all these different towns and locations, preaching the gospel, sharing the word of the Lord. I think our uh, commission from Christ as a Christian and as a church is to give the gospel the good news. I was so um, blown away last night as the church gathered and we watched Harvest America with Greg Laurie. It was live through the internet there at the Angel Stadium in Anaheim, California. And we witnessed about 4,500 people came forward in the altar call. It filled the whole baseball uh, diamond. The whole floor of the great arena was filled, the whole grass, as we witnessed thousands that gave their heart to the Lord. That's what it's about, giving the gospel one-on-one or even in masses, using the radio, the TV, and the internet. We have to reach all these places for Christ. Verse 26, from there they sailed to Antioch. This is coming back home to their home-based church from which they had been commended to the grace of God for the work that they had accomplished. They have finished their missionary tour. Uh, In the back of your Bible, you could see the circles of how they go throughout the lands surrounding the Mediterranean to all these countries, not just to the Jews, but the Greeks and the Gentiles. And the gospel is spreading and missions is growing. The church should be about missions, sending people out, expanding, spreading the gospel. But you have a home base, and it is Antioch. You would have thought, well, Jerusalem, isn't it the headquarters of the church? Yes, for leadership. But now Antioch is becoming a main church, a home base for missions work. It's more strategically located out there. They have more of a heart for the Gentiles and to reach new lands for Christ. As Jesus has uh, told the church, everyone is uh, open to coming to the Lord, that God is targeting every people group, and it's not just the Jews anymore. Jesus loves the little children of the world, red and yellow, black and white. They are precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world, and we discover Christianity is for all races, all people, all backgrounds, all classes. Jesus died for every single person in the world upon the cross. 
verse 27. When they had arrived and gathered the church together, they began to report all things that God had done with them and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. You see, when missionaries come back, they give an account, a a report. Wow, we saw people get saved and and a healing and we started a new church and we fed the orphans and, oh, God was really doing great things. And so our missionaries, Paul and Barnabas, come with great report to headquarters. God was really moving. It was like the Holy Spirit was opening a door that we walk through. The Bible says God can open a door that no man can close, and he can close doors that no man can open. I believe as a Christian you should seek for God's open doors and go through them. What is God doing? Maybe he slammed a door shut in your face and you're trying to force it open. No, find the door that he has opened. I do believe when God closes a door... Sometimes he opens a window. So you have to seek and pray, God, what are you telling me? What are you showing? Am I supposed to be with this person? Am I supposed to witness? Am I supposed to make this move, do this job change? God, open before me a door. And if it's not your will, shut the door so I don't go the wrong direction. A door of faith to bring in the lost, even the Gentiles. 28, and they spent a large time with the disciples, fellowshipping, encouraging, worshiping, being discipled and discipling others. This is the purpose of the church, to be together, get encouragement, hope, support. I think when we go out in the world, we get beat up, discouraged, ground up, spit out, you know. We need to come to God's house and get that joy and recharged and refreshed and encouragement and hope and help and a word from the Lord. They celebrate God's grace. Look at how gracious God is doing. What is he? What has God done in your life? Oh, he was so gracious. He gave me this gift and that blessing. And we walk in God's grace. And when God gives you grace, it's not just for you to keep. Now you are to be gracious to your family, to your friends, to be forgiving, to be optimistic in the Lord, to give them encouragement. We celebrate the good news. The bad news is coming. Prepare for man's bad news. Jesus' gospel is about grace, and man's bad news in religiosity is legalism and rituals. Let's read it. Chapter 15, verse 1. Some men came down from Judea and began teaching the brethren the church, unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. That's news to me. Jesus never taught that. Well, you know, you Christians believe you just believe in Christ and the cross and you're saved. Oh, no, you've got to do all these good works, these customs, these rituals, these rules. It is legalism. You must keep the law. You must do good works. You have to earn and work your way to God. Do you see what they're saying? Where are they from? Judea, from Jerusalem. 
They're of a Jewish background from Judaism. Many times Christians were something else. Oh, you know, before I was a Christian, I was an atheist, an agnostic. I was Jewish. I was Mormon. I was a Jehovah Witness. I was from a very strict uh, religion or cult or bizarre denomination. And a lot of times we have baggage and handicaps. We've had people come to our church and, and they've said, well, I probably have to wear a coat and a tie and I got to do all these rituals and I got to really be holy and, and do all these uh, um, practices. And I'll tell them, you don't have to wear a coat and tie. <laughs> you don't have to get on your knees. You don't have to crawl. You don't have to do. Well, the church I came from was very strict. And I say, well, welcome to freedom. <laughs> God accepts us the way we are, and he's gracious to us. And you don't have to do penance. You don't have to do you know, all the sacraments and all the rituals and all the rules. There is freedom in Christ. That's the good news. But they're bringing bad news of legalism. Verse 2, and when Paul and Barnabas had great dissension and debate with them. You see, they're not going to let it stand. There are great missionaries. They've come back and seen God's work, and they're like, wait a minute. It's Jesus. It's the cross. It's grace. It's love. It's forgiveness. And you're going to try to bring legalism into our church? Oh, no. And they battle them, and they debate them, and it creates division. Because there are some things you have to fight for. You need to fight for Christ, for the cross, for grace, for the word of God. Understand we want unity and love, but there's some things you cannot lay down for. You must take a stand. The brethren determined that Paul and Barnabas and some others of them should go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and elders concerning this issue. This is a big deal. We got to go to headquarters. We got to go to home base where the apostles dwell. The apostles and the elders make up the Jerusalem council and they will decide for all of Christianity what does it mean to be saved? What do you got to do to be saved? Hey, it's the cross. That's all you need to be saved. But the church has got to decide once and for all. Verse 3, therefore, being sent on their way by the church, they were passing through both Phoenicia and Samaria, describing in detail the conversion of the Gentiles and were bringing great joy to all the brethren. Wow, look at so many coming to the Lord. Wow, I just got saved. I just got baptized. I love Jesus, you know. And you think, there's a joy and an excitement, and everyone would celebrate. Wow, another person came to the Lord. But there's some people that go, no. Look at, they still got piercings and tattoos and the way they're dressed and where they work, and they're not really a Christian. We won't accept them. They've got to follow all the rules. You're not saved unless you're baptized in our church. You're not saved unless you do communion in our church. You're not saved unless you follow our rules, our temple recommend. There's things you can, you're not allowed to eat and drink and watch and do. And unless you do the list, unless you go to the special temple, you're not saved. This is the cults. 
This is false Christianity. We are saved by grace. Verse 4, when they arrived at Jerusalem, they were received by the church and the apostles and the elders, which is the Jerusalem council. And they reported all that God had done with them, an excitement, a joy. Wow, look at God's really moving. Verse 5, but some of the sect of the Pharisees who had believed stood up saying, You see, some Christians have different backgrounds. These Christians used to be Pharisees in the Jewish religion. Do you know what Pharisees are? They're judgmental. They're condemning. They're holier than thou. They're the epitome of the law. You don't want to meet Pharisees. They're very judgmental. They don't like the way you dress, the way you act. They don't think you're a Christian. You don't measure up. Have you ever gone to one of those churches? It's not good. (laughs) The Pharisees, they've become Christians, but they're bringing their baggage from the past. They're bringing in their legalism into the church and their rules of what you must do to be saved. And here's what they're saying. It is necessary to circumcise them and to direct them to observe the law of Moses. Legalism, ritual, the law. You got to follow all the rules. The books of Moses, the first five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and all their hundreds of laws and rituals. But we're not Judaism. We're Christian. And Jesus has fulfilled the law, and he's paid the price, and he's our sacrifice. I need not sacrifice animals. I need not follow all the dietary laws. I need not live under the law and the condemnation. And who can keep the perfect law of God? No one. Remember, the rich young ruler comes to Jesus. Jesus, what must I do to earn to gain eternal life? And Jesus said, well, you know the law. Oh, I've kept all the laws. No, you haven't. No one can keep all the laws of God. You've fallen short. Sell everything you have. Give it to the poor. I ain't doing that. (laughs) And he goes away sad because he has fallen short of the kingdom of God. Our sin separates us from the holy God, and no one can keep his perfect law. And this is the trip. This is the guilt trip, the condemnation. They're trying to put this burden on the Gentiles. I remember we had this one gentleman in the church, and one time he calls me aside during the worship service, and he says, do you see that lady over there? Do you see what she's wearing in church? What? She's wearing flip-flops. And look, she kicked them off, and she has her feet up, and her feet are dirty and disgusting in this holy place. You're the pastor. March up to her and throw her out. What? (laughs) You're crazy. What? This is silly. I'm so mad, and he stomped out, pulling his wife behind him, and he just marched out of the church. And, and he came with this like legalism and this baggage and this anger. And can I tell you, that's not Jesus. That's not the Christian church. That's like a cult or something. 
Because God accepts us the way we are. And when you come to Christ, he fixes you, he changes you. We don't set up rules. We're not like the Gestapo or the police, you know, and the fashion show. You got to wear just the right thing. And it's weird how people can look at someone on the outside and be judgmental. And I think he looked at her dirty feet. And when I looked at her, I could see her soul. And I thought, what a sweet lady. I'm so glad she's in church. And he just had this contempt, like a Pharisee. I think religion without Jesus is cruel. It's mean. Have you ever gone to a religion and there's no Jesus there? You got to do this. This is the rules. You got to crawl. You got to bow. You got to whip yourself. You got to do this. That's cruel. Religion without Jesus. A religion without Jesus, it becomes judgmental and condemning and executing if you don't follow all their rules and rituals and rites. That's not Christianity. Christianity, God opens his door, his heart to us. Come in, experience God's love and grace and forgiveness. We're not under the law. We're under grace. Beware of pharisaical opposition. Sometimes Pharisees get saved and they're right in the church and they're going around jumping everybody. We need to lovingly correct them and say, that's not what we do here. That's not who we are. That's not Jesus. I, I just don't see that in the life and the ministry of Jesus. I just don't see that in Jesus' church, maybe in your church. But when it's Jesus' church, I think it's love and grace and mercy. Stay under grace, verse 6. The apostles and the elders, again the Jerusalem council, came together to look into this matter, a crucial matter. If we're going to be Jesus' church or become some kind of cult trying to follow human rules. Verse 7, after there had been much debate, Peter stood up and said to them, We got to hear from our rock. We got to hear from the apostle Peter. Didn't Jesus put him in charge? Peter, you're my rock. Peter, upon your confession, I'll build my church. Peter, you're my leader. And Peter's going to take his stand. He's going to straighten things out. Saying to them, brethren, brothers and sisters in the Lord, you know that in earlier days God made a choice among you that by my mouth the Gentiles would hear the word of the gospel and believe. Remember my story, remember the vision, the animals coming down, the big blanket, you know, and how don't call them unclean. I've chosen them. God's bringing in the Gentiles. It's God's work. It's God's gospel. The gospel is the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus. His work. It's not your work. The gospel is forgiveness and grace and mercy and faith. It's not legalism. It's not ritual. That is not the gospel. All you have to do is believe 
in the gospel. Put your faith in Christ. He's reminding them. Verse 8, And God, who knows the heart, testified to them, giving them the Holy Spirit just as he also did to us. You know, we went out and we preached. We were his apostles and missionaries. And when we preached, the Holy Spirit came upon them. The Holy Spirit gave them supernatural gifts. He did works and healings and wonders and deliverances. And the Holy Spirit himself confirmed our work, confirmed our teaching and preaching. And the Holy Spirit has brought them in. And the Holy Spirit's come into their heart and saved them and cleansed them. I think being a Christian is the work of God, not the work of men. Jesus did the work. You receive his work on your behalf. Verse 9, And he made no distinction between us and them, cleansing their hearts by faith. Well, if I really beat myself up, if I whip myself, condemn myself, I can cleanse myself. No. Thanks for supporting Verse by Verse, the teaching ministry of Pastor John Reed from Calvary Chapel, Northwest Reno at 246 Courtney Lane, Reno, Nevada, 89523. Our phone number is 775-746-4567 and our webpage is calvaryreno.com. You're always welcome to join our services.